Chapter 15. You think you've seen big houses? You haven't seen anything till you've seen the home of Joe Bob Finestre, WAA founder and mega billionaire. From the air, it looked like a junior college or something, like a shopping center. There were a dozen separate buildings, two guest houses, each twice the size of my home, a pool house with changing rooms and a bar that extended to the edge of the pool. Which was itself in the shape of the WAA logo, a boathouse down on the riverfront with a sleek cigarette boat docked alongside, a stable big enough to house a dozen horses, what looked like an observatory, a greenhouse bursting with bright green lettuce and herbs and entire orange trees, a garage easily big enough to store thirty or forty cars, a security building with armed guards next to a quarter-mile-long driveway, and finally. On a hill surrounded by lawn, you could have held the Super Bowl on, was the house itself. This guy knows how to live, Marco said with satisfaction. Someday that'll be me. Who'll be you? The guy mowing the lawn down there? Rachel said. What do you think he's got in that garage? Tobias wondered. Ferraris, Porsches, Jaguars, Vipers. Not many vans and Volvo station wagons," Marco said. "That's for sure. Maybe a few Rolls Royces." We were floating about a quarter mile above the Finestre compound. Tobias was Tobias. Axe was in his Northern Harrier morph. Rachel was a bald eagle. Cassie and Marco were both ospreys. And I was in one of my favorite morphs, Peregrine Falcon, one of the fastest things alive. And with eyes that could see a flea on a dog from a hundred feet away, I had a slightly bad feeling going into this mission, but I was feeling pretty good now. I usually feel pretty good when I'm flying. When you are floating on a pillar of warm, upwelling air with your wings spread wide and no sound but the breeze in your feathers, you pretty much have to feel good. It is as free a feeling as you could ever imagine. But at the same time. I was noticing details with my laser-focused falcon eyes: three separate fences, one around the perimeter of the entire compound, woods, gardens, pool, tennis courts, and all. Then a second fence about twenty yards inside the first fence, and finally a third fence just around the house and its lawn. This guy is a little paranoid, isn't he? Rachel said. You guys see the little observation posts on the corners of the house? There are guys in there. Guys with guns, and don't forget the Rottweilers. Cassie pointed out, two teams of two dogs each patrolling between the outer fence and the second fence, each team with an armed man. Colonel Hogan would never get out of this place, I said. I was pleased when Marco and Tobias laughed. I guess now we know who watches Hogan's Heroes reruns on Nick. Cassie, with her osprey eyes that were designed to spot fish down below the water, said, "There's some sort of underwater fence too. I can't see it all, but there's a definite line beneath the water." Is this human in great danger? Axe wondered. Nah, this is just the way rich people are. Marco said. Okay, so how do we get into this place? I asked. Anyone have any brilliant ideas? Fly right in through an open window," Tobias suggested. "There's one on the backside of the house." Then what? Cassie asked. "We need to be able to move around inside the house 
find Mr. Fenestri's office, maybe, and be able to overhear what's going on. We could do flies again, Marco suggested. We could do ants, too, Cassie said, taking an uncharacteristic shot at Marco, who had sworn never to morph an ant again. It was time for me to decide. Okay, first of all, we go in like Tobias said. Only Tobias stays outside and uses his eyes and ears to report what he sees through the windows. Inside, half of us morph to fly, and the others to cockroach. We spread out and keep in touch by ThoughtSpeak. Anyone finds Fenestre, he calls the others, okay? Let's do it, Rachel said as she spilled air from her wings and plummeted toward the open window. Down she went, huge wings swept back, talons up, her blazing white eagle's head up to keep her eyes focused on the window. Cassie was about 20 feet behind her, then me, then Marco and Axe. Tobias caught an updraft and soared higher, up to a level where he could see everything happening on the estate. Down Rachel went. Down I went, fast as a bullet. Rachel flared at the last minute to kill some of her speed, brought her talons forward, and sailed through the open... Break off! Cassie, break off! Cassie was already reacting. She opened her wings, yanked a hard right, and skimmed within inches of the rough stucco wall of the mansion. Rachel! I yelled. Rachel! She had gone through the window. She was inside. But she wasn't answering. And with my falcon's eyes, I could make out a dim shape lying sprawled on the floor of the room inside. Rachel was unconscious. At least, I hope she was only unconscious. Chapter 16 Rachel! Trapped! Sheer off! Everyone back! Get altitude! Alarms were ringing. A siren shrieked. I heard men's voices shouting. I saw Cassie shoot high up, passing the top of the wall to keep her momentum. But Marco and Axe were struggling with dead air. So was I. I flapped hard, but the air down that close to the ground was still and cool. I flapped harder and rose, but slowly. Too slowly. Shoot them! What, the birds? Yes, the birds! Those are the orders! Prince Jake! Axe cried out. I have been hit! I saw the Northern Harrier stagger in the air and start to fall. Could I reach him before he hit the ground? Hold on, Axeman. I'm coming! Tobias said. He was the only one of us with any altitude. Down he came in a mad, suicidal stoop, plunging toward the ground. Axe had been 30 feet in the air when he started falling. Tobias was 50 feet up. It was impossible. But down Tobias went, like a reddish bullet. He caught up with Axe when Axe's fluttering body was 3 feet from hitting the ground. This is gonna hurt! Tobias yelled. He sank his talons into Axe's shoulder and chest, opened his wings, and swept down along the falling slope of the lawn, never more than an inch from disaster. Cassie was rushing to help. She grabbed one of Axe's wings, and she and Tobias managed to drag and haul the injured Andalite over the inner fence and the second fence. But they dropped him in the dog run. A team of Rottweilers came tearing for him. The dogs were racing, salivating, their big jowls shaking, 
their trainer followed more slowly, unlimbering a submachine gun. Cassie! Tobias! No, we're never! I yelled as I went into a shallow dive. Too shallow. Too slow. The dogs were sure to see me coming. But I aimed right for them. Right for the eyes of the nearest animal. I swept my talons forward. The dog caught sight of me out of the corner of his eye. He turned. I struck. Snap. A massive, crushing jaw closed over my left wingtip. But the teeth found nothing but feathers. I hit the grass, rolling. The dog came after me. In three bounds, he'd have me. I was helpless. Then, something rocketed down, just behind me. A second osprey. Marco! Marco ripped the dog from behind, tearing a red line up the back of the dog's neck. The dog spun. Marco flapped away, and I worked like a madman to get off the ground. But the second dog had kept his focus on Tobias, Cassie, and Axe. Tobias and Cassie were flopping madly, dragging Axe's tattered bird body along the grass. They would almost get off the ground, then slip back. The dog was on them. Leave him! I yelled. No way! Tobias cried. Do it! Do it or you're all dead! Tobias and Cassie released Axe's body. They flirted away and the dog ran straight to the injured Axe and snatched him up in his jaws. Keep! Keep, Achilles! The dog handler yelled. With my keen vision, I saw the dog freeze his jaw. He held Axe, but did not bite down. What do we do? Cassie cried. Get out of here! Move! Move! I yelled. I caught a slight breeze and soared up and away. Armed men and more dogs encircled Axe. Through the supposedly open window of the house, I saw other men running to surround Rachel. Two of us captured. And I was to blame. Chapter 17 We joined up, those of us who were left, on the roof of a Wendy's a quarter mile away. We hid there behind rooftop air conditioners and exhaust fans, amid the smell of grease and the rippling heat. How long have we been in Morph? I asked. I don't know! Marco yelled. How am I supposed to know? We could have gotten Axe out of there! Tobias accused. They have Rachel and Axe! Cassie said frantically. We have to get them back! It was panic. No one was thinking clearly. I tried to focus, but the air conditioners were roaring. The stink of frying burgers and onions and ketchup was overpowering. I think... I think we've been in more for about 30 minutes. I said. We have an hour and a half. To do what? Tobias demanded. That place is a fortress! Fences, dogs, and some kind of force field in the windows? Controllers! Marco said. Fenestra is a controller. It was a trap. Has to be. Who else would shoot at birds? Rachel and Axe will have to demorph in less than an hour and a half or be trapped. Cassie said. An hour and a half. That's how long we have. If they demorph surrounded by controllers... I mean... They'll know Rachel is human, which means they'll figure out that we're all human, all except Axe. I know, I said. Actually, it was worse than that. See, Rachel knew she couldn't demorph where she could be seen by controllers. If I knew Rachel, 
She'd rather be trapped forever in her eagle's body than let the truth out. She knew that if the Yurks ever learned we were humans, not some bunch of renegade Andalites, our days were numbered. In low numbers. Being trapped in eagle form may not be the worst thing facing Rachel, Tobias said. Oh yeah, you'd think that. Marco sneered with savage sarcasm. Maybe Rachel doesn't want to spend the rest of her life eating mice and living in trees like you, Tobias. That's not what I meant, Tobias snapped back. I meant she may not be alive, or the body she's trapped in may be injured beyond saving. Axe was alive, I'm sure of that, Cassie said, a bit calmer than the other two. Didn't any of this show up when you researched this lunatic's mansion? Marco demanded of me. I didn't answer. I had to think. Time was running out. Tobias and Marco were at each other's throats. Cassie was starting to moan about how they'd find her parents, sooner or later. How once they had Rachel, it was only a matter of time. I had to make a plan. But who was I to be making plans? I'd led everyone into a disaster. Rachel. Axe. All of us, maybe. I don't know what to do. It came out as a sob. I hadn't planned it. Hadn't meant to say it. What? Tobias said. Tick-tock! Tick-tock! Marco said angrily. We need a plan. Time is running out. I don't have a plan, alright? I yelled. Don't give me that! Marco shouted in my head. You got us into this, now get us out! Leave him alone! Cassie said, coming to my defense. But Marco's words had been spears aimed right at my heart. And Cassie defending me just made things worse. My mind was split in two. Part of it was racing like an indie car whose engine is ready to explode. Another part of it was swimming through molasses, stuck on the awful fact that Marco was right. I had failed my friends. We... we could use cockroach morphs, Cassie said. Crawl into the mansion and... No time, Marco said. We'd have to morph way outside the outer fence, then get all the way up the hill. Hundreds of yards. Besides, there are controllers in there. They'll be ready for us now. No, I said suddenly. No what? Tobias said. They aren't controllers, I said, suddenly absolutely sure. Anytime we've ever gone after the Yurks, they may have used a lot of human controllers, but backing them up were always hork -Bajir. No hork and everyone used guns. Plain, old, everyday guns. And dogs. The Yurks wouldn't use dogs. What kind of human being would tell his guards to shoot birds? Marco demanded. I don't know, but these are humans. Just humans. But Rachel and Axe may not know that. We have to get them out of there. And we don't have time to be subtle. They still have guns, Cassie pointed out. They may not have Dracon beams or squadrons of Hork Bashir, but they still have guns and fences and dogs and probably some big, thick doors. Yeah, they do. I agreed. And we don't have any morphs between us that are fast enough and tough enough to bust into that place without getting shot up. But I have an idea. How far are we from the gardens? Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. 
As always, this is your host, Daniel, and uh, I'm running late, and I haven't eaten yet. I'm really hungry, and I'm pretty sleepy, so we're just going to breeze through this. I don't really want to do this um, today, so uh, check out my website, theapocalypse.com. Um, leave me a rating and review if you want. Uh, hope you're enjoying the stuff, and we'll see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight.